This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace with This Naked Mind podcast, and today I'm really excited because I have somebody here who's kind of meant a lot throughout the journey of writing This Naked Mind. In fact, the very first um, edition of This Naked Mind that came out, Mary was the artist behind the cover. And so I'm I'm really, really glad to have you here, Mary. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. Yeah, it's awesome. So... um, why don't you just start, we'll get to kind of how you came to draw the cover and all that stuff, but why don't you just start kind of in the beginning for you? I don't know if it goes back to sort of high school <laughs> or preteens. Uh, yeah, sure. So I really didn't start drinking until college, actually when I was like pretty close to legal. And then after I was legally of age, um, I started drinking a lot more and I lived in Los Angeles. So I would drink mostly at home. Um, I would go out sometimes like to clubs by myself if my friend, you know, or like stay out later than my friends and drink. And, um, when I moved to New York city after like two years after I graduated college was when it really like amped up because in New York, you don't have to drive. So you can, you know, you don't have to really watch yourself. Like I did in LA, you know, in LA, I had to be sure that like I was sober enough to drive home by the time the clubs or the bars closed. Um, and in New York, it was like, everything's open till 4am. And I can take a cab or take the train, I don't have to get behind the wheel. So, you know, easy, easy to get to get wasted as often as I want. That was exactly my experience in New York, too. It was the same thing was like, all of the sudden, you know, subways, no problem. It was just, Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. And it's like, when you start it, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. But then like a year later, I'm like, oh no, I'm really like, <laughs> I'm doing way too much like damage. Um, but yeah, so I was like, I would just drink all the time in New York. Like I would go out by myself and stay out until the bars closed at 4am and then go home. And um, it was like, it was nuts. It was just so cool to like be there and ha- be in that in my early twenties, like in that lifestyle, it just seems so like cool to me. Um, but then, you know, it also affected like a lot of things like dating was hard (laughs) because I have dates that like, I don't even remember going on, which is like terrifying. Um, but you know, I worked, um, I had a couple of jobs where like I worked for us weekly magazine and my department, I worked the night shift. So that was like, a big deal with my coworkers would bring in booze a lot. So it became like the norm to drink at work when I had that job. And that was already when I was like in the height of my like kind of like party girl phase. (laughs) Um, So having work as like not an escape, but another place to drink was like pretty, pretty unhealthy for me. But of course I, I went for it. Um, You know, everyone was doing it and it made work more fun at the time. But um, yeah, it was, it was rough you know, having that access to alcohol, like 24 seven, pretty much in New York. And, um, there were just a few times, like, I mean, it took me into like my mid twenties to, to realize I was a, a blackout drinker because in my, when I first started drinking in my early twenties, I was so scared of throwing up. I had this weird phobia about puking. 
that I would be very, very careful about not drinking too much because I never wanted to throw up. Um, so I never really got out of control until like my 22nd birthday, I did throw up. And then, you know, after that, it was like, oh, it's not that scary. That we can like, oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, I didn't have the fear anymore. By my mid 20s, I was like, okay, now I have a job where I'm drinking at work and I'm not scared of like puking. And then suddenly I was like blacking out constantly when I drank, which was um, just, you know, so I didn't realize. So if not had a blackout, um, it's funny because blacking out, it's not passing out. Right. No, I wish <laughs> that would have been a lot more like, you know, uh, less terrifying to wake up to just. But yeah, blacking out is when you're you're fully functional to everyone else, but you don't remember anything. Your brain is completely turned off. So I was like, I had so many nights where I was, people would fill in the, the details for me. And I'm like, oh my God, it, it's like horrifying to have to ask people like if you did anything offensive or embarrassing or, you know, and then to have people fill in the blanks for you. And you're like, how was I walking and talking, functioning, looking people in the face and having conversations? And I don't remember any of it. So, I mean, that's just like really like just scary to to have that happen, you know, because I'm sure I I know there were times where I said things I regretted or like offended somebody or hurt someone's feelings. Um, And, you know, I don't believe that. what people say about alcohol bringing out the honest truth. Like some people say like what you say drunk, you think sober, whatever. I would say a lot of things that I didn't mean that I would never think sober. So I was just like a hurtful drunk (laughs) who was also blacked out. So I didn't know like what I was doing or saying. And I was just being like, just raging. Um, So that was like unfortunate. And it took me a couple years of doing that to really realize like I have to stop doing that because I worked at this job and they had an annual Christmas party and three years in a row I went to the Christmas party and every year, the first year was bad because I got blackout drunk and I like fell down outside in front of everyone that I worked with and that was like embarrassing but that was like, that was mild compared to what would happen after because the next year I was like, I'm going to redeem myself at this Christmas party and I'm going to have, you know, be normal and not, not embarrass myself and then it was worse. Like I blacked out and then I, someone found me like laying on the sidewalk outside of the bar. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really, um, like bad stories. And then the following year it was just the same. And every year I was like, I'm going to go and redeem myself. I'm not going to be the drunk at the party. And then I would go and be the drunk because it was an open bar and I didn't know how to behave. So, you know, and then having a job where I was drinking at work, it was just like, no space was safe (laughs) because everywhere was, accessible to just be wasted all the time and um I was also like training for marathons so I was like aware of like not drinking when I was training you know not drinking during the day when I was going on runs but then um rewarding myself for like a 10 mile run I would reward myself with a bottle of wine and I'm just and then I would feel horrible the next day but I would push through the hangover to go run because I was you know I wanted to run marathon it was just this weird like I can't be that bad because I'm still running marathons. You know, I can't be that deep into it because I'm still able to run and function. And and, um, even though I felt horrible doing it, I was like, I can push through it. So it's not that bad. Um, But it took a lot. I mean, there were times where I, a lot of times where I would 
quit drinking for a month or, or a couple weeks at a time. And it was so like rewarding to me to be like, I haven't drank in a month, you know, I haven't, I haven't drank in two months or, and then I would go out to a happy hour and I would black, get blackout drunk. And it was just like back to square one. And I never like intended to quit forever at the time, but it was so like, it felt so uh, empowering to not drink for an extended period of time. And then when I would get back into it, thinking like, you know, I can drink, I've been, I've gone so long without it. My reward is to drink for not drinking. And then I would get blackout drunk and it would be the same cycle. I'm like asking people to fill in the blanks for me and hoping I didn't offend anyone, you know, that I work with or just anyone or get myself in trouble or get hurt or, you know, throw up on myself, just never knowing what happened. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was, um, pretty bad. And then, um, after, I think the turning point was obviously, finding out about your book and, and that you were quitting drinking because we had known each other before you wrote the book. Um, and reading Alan Carr's book helped kind of like be like phase one for me. Um, but it didn't really get me this. It got me to want to quit drinking, but it didn't really do everything that I needed. Um, so by the time I was, I think it was like, uh, 2014 or so, 2015. Um, when I read your book, I was like so ready to be done with it, but my wedding was coming up and I was like, well, I don't want to be sober at my wedding. <laughs> you know, like I was, I had definitely gotten it more under control, but, um, you know, I would, I would do things like I would quit like between, you know, during that phase where I was kind of like in limbo of like, I'm trying to like, I'm leaning towards quitting, but I'm not, I'm reading all the, the literature, but uh, I'm not ready to commit to like being sober. Um, and I would go like, again, extended periods without drinking and then get drunk, blackout. And it was like hurting my relationship, you know, we're about to get married. And it was like, uh, I think I didn't really own my problem because I was like, I went two months without drinking. What, like, why are you getting so angry at me? Like, I obviously am under control, but then like, clearly I wasn't under control because I was getting wasted and coming home, like stumbling and slurring. Um, and yeah, and my husband was like, had be, you know, after a while had like no tolerance for it, which I mean, I'm like surprised he even put up with it <laughs> for as long as he did, because I don't know how I, you know, I would have been able to, if the, the roles were reversed, cause it was really hard to be that drunk much less. Cause you know, being, once you're sober, you're like, you see other people be that way. And I'm like, Oh my God, was I that obnoxious? <laughs> like, how did you put up with me? You know, it's like, you know, like you must really love me if you like put up with me acting like so foolish. But, um, anyway, so it was kind of in that limbo where I was like, uh, it's going to hurt my relationship in the long term if I don't do something. And it was just too hard to keep going back and forth of quitting for 30 days and then getting blackout drunk instead of what I wanted, which was quitting for 30 days. And then I, and then suddenly having control over alcohol, you know, um, having being able to have two drinks in one city um so anyway uh yeah so our wedding was coming up and um that was kind of a turning point for me because I did drink at our wedding but I was super under control you know it was, it was too fun to get wasted I was like we were having fun I didn't get drunk at the wedding but at the after party I remember was like I made it to like 11 o'clock at night and I was having so much fun. And then I did a shot with my friends and I don't remember anything after that. And I was like, damn, you know, and I've, I'm like, 
it's not the worst thing that could have happened because I remember the whole day up until that point, but it, it bummed me out that I did that because it was like, I wanted to remember everything instead I passed out in a blackout <laughs> on my wedding night, you know? Um, and then two weeks later, I, after the honeymoon, um, I quit like for good after, you know, really like diving into your book. And, um, and that was like really cool because it just was so like effortless. Like I didn't miss it. I felt like I had completely gotten it out of my system. And I was like, ready to have like no more embarrassing or painful mornings yeah (laughs) you know and I was able to go out drinking with my friends while they drank and I had whatever seltzer or tea or whatever they were serving and and still have fun and almost have more fun because I was like observing the other people and I was not one of them yeah (laughs) Um, and not and not judgmental just kind of like a, a remind, like a confirmation of like, yeah, I'm making the right decision because I don't want to be in their shoes like I was for so many times, you know, so many years. Um, so yeah, I quit. And then um, I went, I didn't drink for nine months. And it was amazing. I felt I never felt better. Um, and then we and it was perfect because we were getting ready to start a family. So basically, um, we ended up getting pregnant um, about six months or seven months into me being um, sober. And then we had a miscarriage. And then on that like weekend after we lost the baby, I was when I had my first glass of wine again. And it was very like, I thought about it a lot because I was like, I really just want to have a nice dinner. Cause we went and stayed at a hotel. Um, it just kind of escaped our apartment for a couple days. And we were going out to nice restaurants to, to, you know, have nice meals. And I just wanted to be able to have a glass of wine and not think about it or, you know, feel anything. But I also really didn't want to get like drunk or, or, or I didn't want to use alcohol as like an escape or to numb the pain. Um, but I, I don't know. I just wanted to have a glass of wine. <laughs> just what I wanted. I wanted it with my meal. And I had it and I had maybe three glasses of wine the whole weekend which was like never before happened. Um, and I felt like as soon as I started to feel buzzed, it made me really uncomfortable. So then I would stop, which, you know, and, you know, looking back, that was when I would start, you know, that was the goal. I would chug until I felt buzzed and then I would drink normal. Like it was, I was a binge drinker. Like I only drank to get drunk. I didn't drink for any other reason. Um, and so now having, you know, not drank for nine months and deciding to have a drink after having a really traumatic experience, um, it was definitely a, a thoughtful decision that I made, but since then, um, I feel like, like I don't, I don't call myself sober cause I do drink occasionally, but I feel like completely in control for once. Like I don't, I don't like feeling drunk. Um, whereas that's all I wanted before. I don't like, you know, when I get a little buzz, I'm like, okay, that's enough. I don't like, you know, cause I can, I just know like I'm one drink away from, especially being more sensitive, you know, from not drinking, I can, I can have three drinks and I'll be wasted. I don't want that. (laughs) Whereas before it would take a bottle and a half of wine. Um, so yeah, I, um, I feel like, you know, on the, on the rare occasion now that I have a drink, I'm much more in control. And I, and I think about if I really want it or like why I want it. Um, and I'm, and I'm totally like content with not drinking, you know, like I thought about, you know, giving it up completely in the new year. But I I just do like having that, like, if I want it, you know, I'm going to allow myself to have it because I know that I'm, I'm uncomfortable, um, drinking too much. And I know like where my limits are now, which 
it took, you know, nine your book and nine months of not drinking <laughs> to get to that point. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, this is how if you're going to drink, you know, this is how it should be and not, you know, peer pressure or, um, to get drunk or, you know, because everyone, you know, everyone's doing it or, you know, there's, you know, someone offers you like a really expensive bottle of something and you feel like, you know, you have to, it just should be like very, um, I want it because I want it, you know, and for me only, and I don't care what anyone else is doing and I know my limits type of thing. So yeah, it took a lot awesome. for me to get there, but yeah, it's, it feels really good because I don't, I don't stress about alcohol like I used to. Yeah. Like it, it's become, you know, what i like to say is <clears throat> I think success is when for me, a few things there. Number one, the technical term for sober is just not out of control and not drunk. I mean that like according to the dictionary and of course there's lots of debate on that and I'm sure we can get lots of comments on this podcast or whatever, but um, I don't, I don't like call myself sober either. And that's just basically because I don't love the word. Like I feel like sober is really equated with, it has a lot of baggage. I think it would be great to like reclaim the word or whatever. But I also, you know, in my own life say not putting rules on myself because the second that I do, I feel really uncomfortable. Now I haven't drank, but I also won't say like, that's it. Like I'm, you know, there, there are rules around this because I think that something happens within the psyche that when you do put these really firm rules on yourself, um, you kind of rebel against them, you know, but that's different than, you know, very mindful period of time or a very mindful decision. Like I'm going to not drink for this amount of time because sometimes you need, it's almost like you need a lot of force in the beginning in order to change a habit and make the habit effortless in the long term, you know? And so one of the things that I think is so valuable about your experience is 30 days wasn't enough, you know, to (laughs) kind of fall back in, but nine months, things really changed over nine months. And so nine months was a really different period of time for you than 30 days. And I think that's, that's really important because so often people are like, oh, 30 days, and then they're right back in it, and then they feel like, oh, it's never going to be that I can just enjoy, enjoy drinking on occasion. Statistically, there's a huge amount of people who drink at very problematic levels to the point where they're damaging their health or their relationships or anything else, and they come back to drinking on occasion. So, you know, I don't think that there should be any judgment about what works for an individual. Like I always say that what needs to work is for you to find freedom, for you to find control, for you to find happiness. And I think after nine months, you've dealt with all the emotional cycles. So you weren't doing it to numb anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really powerful too, because when you, when you're in pain and you drink to numb, when you drink to just get out of whatever it is, social anxiety or discomfort, or just even the pain of drinking, we we think about drinking so much that we just drink to numb away the fact that we're drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a really slippery slope, but when you're doing it just not to kind of numb those emotions, then yeah, the feeling of being tipsy, like when you get, it's like, okay, well, just kind of feels dizzy. I mean, really yeah. it does. It kind of feels dizzy. It feels like the room is a bit closing in. You feel a little less aware of your surroundings. And so it's not the most pleasant feeling, but I think you need that distance to really be able to do that. And I think that's what's really cool. And I think a lot of people will find a lot of like encouragement from your story because it is such a success story, you know, of yeah. finding your own path and your own freedom and just not 
not caring about the labels or what other people think, just saying, hey, this worked for me. Like, this is awesome. So that's so cool. I have a few questions for you. Well, first of all, um, drinking at work, do you think that's, you know, obviously working for Us Weekly, it's, it's a quite unique environment but do you think that's really common like the friends that you had in in Manhattan when were they drinking at work as well or is that no I think it was because I think it was not as common um for for us it was definitely because we worked the night shift so sometimes we'd be at work until 4 a.m which is like might as well be at the bar but also we had to do our job so it was you know it was like, it made work more enjoyable, but then you're like, Oh wait, I'm taking way too long to do this task because I'm drunk. So it was (laughs) kind of like, um, not a good thing, but you know, everyone did it. So we just, you know, but no, like it was our department especially too, because I would go out into other departments. Um, for the most part, they weren't partaking, even working the same hours. So I think it was, um, you know, and my supervisor at the time was definitely a, a functioning barely functioning alcoholic. So, you know, he would miss work a lot because he overslept from a hangover. So it was just like that particular environment, but I didn't have other friends who were drinking, not openly. There were times where, you know, people would put, you know, something like bourbon in their coffee cup on it for a bad day, but it was not like a regular activity, um, that I knew of that anyone else was doing. So, it was definitely like, and I bragged about it. It was so cool to me. I was like 24 and I'm like, I get to drink at work. Like, haha, you know, <laughs> like my life is so cool. And it's really like, no, you're on a downward spiral actually. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, my first job out of, um, out of college, there was drinking at work. It was in an ad agency and it was like, you know, all hands meetings, brainstorming emergency. We'd all get called in and mm-hmm. everybody tried to be kind of more creative um, so creativity was another one I was going to ask you. So you're an artist, a very good yeah. artist. Thank you. And, um, did you feel, do you feel like more or less creative now that, you know, drinking is an occasional thing as opposed to when it was a, a regular thing? I, I'm more creative now. I definitely was not as creative when I was drinking, maybe not creative at all because I, I couldn't think that way. And or I would come up with dumb ideas or I, you know, write them down and realize like that was not a good idea. <laughs> but um, I also couldn't, I couldn't like, I couldn't, wouldn't be able to design or create or illustrate when I was drunk, even a little bit. I would just be like, you know, if I had to choose between, do I want to like, do I want to paint tonight or do I want to drink? Like it wasn't both. I couldn't combine them because I just, you know, and I usually chose to drink. <laughs> so it was, you know, it wasn't something that mixed well for me. Um, I know some people can create, but I would take it way too seriously to, you know, get drunk and, and try to draw. It just wasn't, and it wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't want to, I would lose all desire for it. So, um, and that, that sucks cause that's what my passion is. So it's like, it was way more important for me to, I'd rather stay up from, you know, till 11 o'clock drawing than stay up drinking. And I had to choose one. So yeah. Ultimately, I chose to be a creative <laughs> and not a drunk. So it's helped a lot, too, because, I mean, I spent so much time drinking and being drunk. It was just what I did after work every day. You know, I couldn't even um, like I couldn't even fathom going home and not having a glass or two of wine like before dinner and then during dinner, you know, just um, and, and then after I quit, I would go home and, and draw for four hours straight. And that was so much more um, fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Augustin Burroughs, he wrote the book Dry, and he mm-hmm. says, you have to find something you love more than drinking. Yeah. You, know, you have to kind of replace drinking with something you love more than drinking. And I think that's very true. And for me, I think it was a, a bunch of things, but a lot of it was, you know, my family. I mean, you're talking about that one experience of not remembering after 11 p.m. at your wedding night. Like I have birthday parties like that, kids' birthday parties where, you know, you, that was just an excuse. I mean, I literally remember my, my oldest son's first birthday party. Oh, no, wait, this is even worse. Um, and this is, this is kind of ironic, but I was such a proponent of drinking that even when I wasn't drinking, I was pregnant at my mm. oldest son's baby shower. I had a keg brought to the baby shower, which how ridiculous is that? I was like, I'm going to make this fun for everybody. And oh anyway, the keg ended up living at our house for a long time because nobody felt really comfortable getting wasted at a baby shower. Yeah. I thought everybody should. Um, but even at my son's first birthday, I remember it being like, okay, this is a party for me because I survived the first year. So I'm going to bring all the booze and, you know, got really drunk and don't remember much of that day at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's intense to, to give up your memory. So finding something that you love more than alcohol, I think, is really key. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, I think it's tough because I'm sure that people, I always say, like, people need to find their own freedom, their own path, what works for them. But I also know that a lot of people find that, and, and I do believe that, like, there's two keys to finding kind of if you're going to go back to occasional drinking there's two keys that are very very important and one is take a break so that you can experience the whole gamut of your emotions and even an entire calendar year I think is a really good idea because that way you can experience every single event and create new memories without alcohol so I think that's really important and I also think you need to not drink even if you're going to drink on occasion it needs to really not be too, uh, as a form of self-medication. Like mm-hmm. You need to find other stuff. I mean, you said for you it was drawing or drinking. And, you know, I, I did the same thing. It was like running or drinking, and I'd always choose drinking. And then all of a sudden I didn't have this coping mechanism of running for stress because I'd always choose mm-hmm. drinking. And so it was kind of this thing where alcohol can very slowly sabotage all of your other coping mechanisms. So the other things you did for enjoyment, drawing, reading, running, uh, whatever it is, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. open a bottle of wine, open a bottle of wine, open a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. And then totally. suddenly this is the only coping mechanism. And then that's where things really start to fall apart is because you're relying purely on alcohol. Um, and as a self-medication technique, since it is addictive and, mm-hmm. you know, there are scientific arguments that it's actually more addictive when you're using it for self-medication because of how your brain responds to stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think drinking to self-medicate at all is is not probably like a good choice if you want to kind of go back. But with those kind of two things in mind, do you have any other things that you would give to people? Because I know a lot of people, and especially I think you and I can relate, is we're on the other side many years ago. And right now, I would say that you are very mentally kind of a take it or leave it. Like if it was out of your life tomorrow, it would not be a loss. It would not be a tragedy. If you were wine to where we were, um, years and years ago, I know for me, it was like a tragedy. Like if I imagined never drinking again, it would have been like heartbreaking and tragic. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I desperately wanted was to drink normally at normal levels and, you know, on occasion. Right. And so I think for somebody 
listening and saying, okay, well, how do you get there? How can you get through that and really get firmly back in control, but still have the options to do it on occasion? Um, is there any, any other advice that you kind of have? I mean, other than reading your book, because <laughs> I would say like, you have to retrain your brain. And that's what, that's what this naked mind did for me, because I tried for years to drink like a normal person. Um, but I would have so much anxiety around alcohol and I did have social anxiety when I would be out. So it was like, okay, I'm going to limit myself to two drinks at happy hour. But after two drinks, who's like monitoring me? Like, I don't, you know, I've lost all like inhibition to, to tell my, to, to put those rules and keep them in place. Like I'm going to, you know, it just makes no sense to have rules that are, that are like arbitrary just because you, you know, you're trying to control for me now, my rules are because I don't like to feel drunk. So when I, I know when it's time to stop when, however many drinks that is one or two or whatever, um, is when I start to I check in with my body and I'm like, mm, I don't like how I'm starting to feel. So I'm not going to have any more to drink. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard without having something to really like retrain your thinking because if you always want it in the back of your mind, you shouldn't even, I would say you shouldn't even try to drink, you know, for me, like if, if I was craving it, if I wanted it, if I knew that I had to put a limit on myself because otherwise I would lose control, then I knew I wasn't ready to drink at all. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I just feel like it's just so much more enjoyable to make a decision because for me, when I was trying to stay in control of it, but still drink, um, when I was, you know, still having issues with it, it was, um, it was really, um, it was hard because I knew I wanted to drink, but I was making a decision to only have two drinks when it's like so much easier on myself to just make the decision to have no drinks, you know, because you can't, after two, you can make another, you know, you're, it's you, you can do whatever you want. But once you decide it's a yes or no, I'm going to drink or I'm not going to drink. And if I'm not drinking, then the question is answered. Someone can offer me a drink and I'm going to say no. It's just no, no, no. You know, it's like, I don't know. It, it makes, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really like, for me, like the easiest thing to do was just make it um, a yes or no until I was ready, till I, till the, the itch, like, wasn't there. Like, I didn't feel like I want to drink like, Oh, I really am craving a buzz. It was more just like, um, I don't know, this, this cocktail sounds kind of good. I'm going to try it, you know, um, as opposed to like, Oh, I just really want to buzz and I'm only, but I'm only going to have two. It's like this, just those thoughts don't go together. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's just so much easier to just sit, to just pass, just say no. And then you don't even have to think about it. If someone offers you a drink, is there's no thought to it. It's just, no, I'm not drinking. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's hard to to, to make someone understand until they've done it <laughs> because I've tried to like, con you know, my friends are like, wow, it's, like you're so in control. And like, how do you like, do how you don't miss alcohol. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, just try it. You should just try it because I'm not going to say, um, you know, that I don't like to try to pressure my friends, but I, I do like share how good I feel and how easy it's been to just take a long, long break from alcohol um, and do other things instead. And I always encourage people to take a, a long break and try it and see how it's really not that challenging. Um, if you, if you really commit to it and, you know, 
decide like that you want a healthier relationship. And I know it's not, it's not easy as just quitting because I, I've been there, you know, I've been to like all through it and I know how difficult it is. And it's easy for me now to say like, just quit. It feels great, you know, but I know how hard it is, but, um, it's also just one of those things. Like if you have cheerleaders, you know, cheering you on and, um, it's just, I, yeah, I always just like encourage people that I know who've expressed that they admire my lifestyle or whatever. Um, like, you know, you should try, I can help you. <laughs> I've lent your book out to That's people awesome. who some have read it, some have not, which is fine. But I'm always just like, if you want it, you know, if you want to try this to be on this side, like, I'm, you know, I can help walk you through it. And um, it just helps to have the right tools, you know, in your toolbox. So like, you know, the right, the right friends and, um, or, you know, uh, internet strangers, <laughs> um, and the right, you know, things to like the books and, and the mocktails and things like that, that really like, they make life much more enjoyable in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And I love what you said. Um, there's so much that you said that was really good, but the, you know, two things like just in the brain biologically after two glasses of wine, you, it's very, very hard to resist the third. So that, <laughs> that all or nothing, like I'm going to drink tonight or I'm not going to drink tonight is a mm. much easier decision and making that decision before you go out. And then, you know, even imagining how it's going to be like imagining ordering an iced tea, imagining yourself laughing really hard, which is lemonade, whatever the case is, but making that very firm decision. If you're in that middle of the road area and you say, I'm going to try not to drink tonight, chances are you're going to drink. Totally. You say, I'm not going to drink. And there's no question about it. Then you're going to be able to get through that night. And what I like to recommend people do is like use it as an experiment. Like even Mm -hmm. if it's miserable, even if I realize that I hate these people that I'm hanging out with, if I'm not drunk, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to drink tonight. And I'm going to have that experience so that I can like bank that experience away no matter what. And if you make that decision, this is one night I can get through this one night chances are you can really surprise yourself because look, it actually, it turns out to be a fun night and you really enjoyed yourself without drinking. I think that's really important, but you're right that, you know, trying to say, I'm going to stop after two or after three, like biochemically, that's almost impossible because of how your brain shifts. So I think that's really, really difficult. Also trying to moderate to any degree without a break is just a recipe for complete disaster. I mean, even you were saying after a 30 day break, and that's because your brain is trained to crave alcohol. And I think what you said was, was just massive in the sense of if you have the itch, you're not ready. (laughs) So like everybody hear this, if you have the itch, if you have the craving, if you don't feel a hundred percent, like, nah, it's okay. I had um, actually made a chart for myself and uh, it's going to come out in, it's actually in the alcohol experiment. So if you haven't done the alcohol experiment, it's free at thealcoholexperiment.com. But in the later days when we're talking about it's a 30 day break and then you're talking about, okay, where are you going to go after these 30 days? There's a chart and it was, um, I forget what we called it in the end, but it was basically like moderation versus desperation, you know, and, and desperation, which it's probably, it's like planning on, okay, how many am I going to have? How many hours left until I have it? You know, I've been talking to women kind of in the community and men too, who are like, well, I really try to just limit myself to Friday, 
But then guess what? I spent every other day of the week waiting until it's Friday, you know, and that's not a life to live. That's yeah. if you're just like putting something on a pedestal. Um, whereas, you know, this, this other state of mind is honestly like a take it or leave it. Like you're not thinking about it over time. Your choice 99.9% .9 of the time, because I know you, I know you drink very, very rarely, is um, not to drink. And it's not because you're just saving those times up. If you're right. saving your time up or if you're hoping for, you know, if you desperately want to drink on occasion because of how much you love and miss drinking, you probably aren't ready to drink on occasion, I think is yeah. sort of the bottom line. Um, I agree. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, I just wanted to kind of explain, like the best way I know to explain a blackout, because this was a concept that confused me. I understood I understood time being spotty, but I, I never understood a full, I didn't have like, okay, there's three hours gone. And so I think what happens inside the brain with a blackout is, and some people don't black out and some people do. So it's like different for different people because my body would process alcohol to the point where I would have gotten sick before I had a blackout. Yeah. Like that's just how it works for me. <laughs> and other yeah. people don't like they black out before they get sick. And and that's really just interesting and individual. I have no <sighs> reason for that. I, I haven't, yeah. but if you were, you know, um, if you had a microphone and it was attached to a recording device, right. And the microphone is your life and it's attached to this recording device and the recording device is your brain and your memories. And it's as if the record button is not pushed. So everything yeah. continues to happen, but because your brain is so saturated with alcohol, your short-term memories literally evaporate and mm -hmm. nothing is stored. So yeah. it would be as if we're like recording this podcast right now and I forgot to push record. And so it's yeah. almost as if it didn't happen because there's no record of it in your brain which is really intense. And so it's hard. I think you said something earlier about you didn't even realize you were blacking out for a long time. Yeah. Because yeah, it's that's terrifying. <laughs> hard to even know that that's happening. You're just like, wait, what happened? Yeah, and people don't and, go ahead. Until someone's like, until someone's like, do you remember what you said? You know? And I'm like, no, why? You know, right. And you're like in the terror and the anxiety. And then, and then it, it's you're like, Oh my God. And then when the more it happens and the more, you know, when, you know, when you wake up in bed and you're like, I don't know how I got here. Like you can assume that you blacked out for several hours before that. And then you have to go back and think about what's the last thing I remember and who to ask what happened. It's just a horrible way to live <laughs> and, and just like painful and so much, uh, anxiety that comes with it it's not worth it like so many mornings that not only did I felt physically ill from being hung over but I was like mentally and emotionally sick because I knew that everyone everyone else knows what I said or did but me right and that's like really scary I mean I'm lucky that nothing really terrible ever has ever happened to me um because I I put myself in dangerous situations so many times um and woke up the next day again, like in bed, how did I get here? Like no idea, but I'm lucky that I did, you know, and it took a, a lot of those experiences before I was like, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. And I think another thing that you've done, which is really important is you've made a, even though you haven't made a, like, I'm never drinking again commitment, you have made such a firm commitment to yourself that is like, 
I am never doing that again. Mm-hmm. I never want to be that person. I never want to be there. And you are a hundred percent okay if that means never ever putting another drop of alcohol in your system. That's okay with you. And I mean, totally. you, you can tell. Okay, so you agree? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm not, totally not putting agree. words yeah. in your mouth. No, but, no, no. But I know you a little. Like we know each other, so I'm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's totally true. But I feel that that level of commitment to your own non-negotiable. Like for me, you know, I'm never going to lose another memory of my kids' lives. They're already growing up so fast. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to be, you know, that mom. And so if you have that, you know, you have a lot of things I think that are so important. You have, you've, after a very long break, you've moved into this place of completely take it or leave it where alcohol has become little and irrelevant in your life. You have something that's more important to you than drinking that you realize could not exist simultaneously with alcohol, with your creativity and your art. And then you also have these very firm non-negotiables saying, no matter what, I'm never going to be there again. And I'm okay if that means I can never drink, but I'm going to experiment and see if it means that I can on occasion. And for you, that's, that's been true. There's, um, there's two other, there's a lot of other groups of people who are kind of, you know, have little Facebook groups or whatever. One is Club Soda. And that has two founders, Lori and UC. And um, Laura drinks on occasion, or no, Laura never drinks. And UC, he drinks on occasion. And same thing, he took a two-year break. He's absolutely certain he's never going to be where he was. He would give up alcohol in a heartbeat if it ever meant anything bad again. So he isn't in this place of, because I think where people get really stuck and where it's really painful is you're in this place of desperation, of desperately wanting to be in the controlling thing. But the thing is, when you're actually able to control it, it's so unimportant to you that it actually doesn't matter anymore that you can mm-hmm. control it, right? So true, yeah. And um, and then Rory and Andy run one year no beer. It's the same situation. Andy never plans on drinking again, and Rory drinks on occasion. And Rory, um, same thing. He took a two-year break in order to kind of get back to the level where it was small and irrelevant and unimportant. And then I guess, you know, one final question for you, because I've kept you a long time already, but this has been really fun. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, you're the first person that I've had on that is kind of in this situation. So I think it's really useful for people, not only because they see that, yes, this is possible, but also they see, yeah, but maybe I'm not there yet, or maybe I'm not ready yet. Um, But my last question is, what, what would be your warning signs? You know, what would be where you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is heading south, or I... I haven't, because it's been, it's been, I think, well over a year that you've been in this kind of place of, you know, I mean, maybe having what, like a drink or two a month for the last year or even yeah. less. Um, yeah. So you, you, I, I feel like you're very firmly grounded, but things can shift, things can change. Alcohol has its, its funny way of ensnaring us. So what are your kind of, um, yeah, do you have any? Yeah, I think for me, uh, if I'm hungover in the morning, even a little bit, then it's like I've I've gone too far. I need to reset and go without because I think there's been one, maybe two times where I felt a little bit hungover in the morning from drinking three to four glasses, you know, not a lot, but enough. And I was like, I hate that I did the, you know, I, I beat myself up like I hate that I I hate that I had like one or, you know, one or two more glasses than I wanted to have, even though I knew at the time, even though, you know, because it depends on the company you're in for me too. Sometimes I, I do let people, um, 
like, oh, he's, you know, he's ordering another round or she's ordering another round. Like, I'll do that too. But, um, to, um, check, like, you know, check in with your body and like, okay, I have a little bit of a hangover. I really hate that. I feel this way, even though it's mild compared to what I used to feel. I hate it. <laughs> and I wish I didn't. And I, you know, I can't go back in time, but I can go forward and, and not and remember this and like journal about it or whatever. Um, and remember like, I really hate how I felt the next morning after four glasses of wine or three glasses, whatever it is. Um, and that's happened to me once or twice that I, I can't even remember. I feel like it's happened twice, but I can only remember one time. And, um, and I don't like that. And so that's when I know it's like time to, um, like, you know, reel it in and, and I I don't crave it after that. So it's not like I feel myself spinning out of control, but it is that like, I let, you know, I let, um, something else, make the decision for me, either, you know, my tipsy brain or whoever I was in the company with, you know, um, kind of decide for me. And it just is uh, a reminder to like, get back in control. Um, and and then do you take a a break? Yeah, usually, well, usually I, after that, I'm like, I don't want to drink ever again. (laughs) And I do (laughs) not because I force it on myself, but because I just like hate how I feel. And that, that feeling, that little hangover sticks with me for a long time. And I'm like, ugh, I don't even want to attempt it. I don't even want to have one glass because it would just, you know, I just feel, I could still feel it in my system, you know, a couple days later, it's just gross and I'm like regrets. Um, but yeah, I do. I take a break um, because it's just natural now to take a break when I, when I know I've overdone it. Um, and it's so rare now that, you know, that I haven't, I haven't felt that way in over a year. So it's been, you know, I, I learned and I actually learned from that experience and I took it with me instead of, um, instead of only learning for a week and then going partying the next week, you know? Um, so that just really staying like mindful and present, um, and constantly checking in with my body is the most helpful in the, you know, um, cause then you recognize the warning signs. Um, you have to, you know, actually check in with yourself or you might not see them, <laughs> Um, but definitely, um, things like, you know, journaling and, and taking note, like, you know, actually pausing to say like, okay, this plus this equals this. And I don't want that, you know, <laughs> so next time I'm going to take out, you know, what part of the equation and see. Um, but yeah, I, I think that for me, I haven't had any other warning signs, so hopefully I won't. <laughs> um, but that's been the one that's made me kind of have to, to reel everything back in and, and and reset myself. That's awesome. And I think what you're saying is right. Like just checking in with your body, you know, it's the only body we get and we want to keep it healthy and strong and um, just really, you know, very, very mindful decisions. I think where people get in trouble is, okay, I'm going to just try and moderate. And then they go out and they will see when I just want to, you know, I, you should make a decision before you ever go out anywhere for (laughs) sure. You know, it should be, okay, tonight I'm going to drink or not drink. This is the decision for the night. And it should be almost, you know, so mindful that you are 100% in control of your decisions. And if, if you realize that you're not in control, because that's what alcohol does, is it puts us not yeah. in control. And that just physiologically happens to us as humans. And so yeah. if you realize that, then it's like, okay, there's one thing I can do to control this. And it's not put it in in the first place. <laughs> and then exactly. I get back kind of in that driver's seat. But that's so awesome. So Mary, um, one more question for you. I know I yeah. said that was the last one, but I do have one more. Um, but I ask everybody this question kind of at the end, if you could tell, you know, yourself of 
what's it been now? Probably three years ago, at least. Um, if you at could least. tell that self, you know, who was afraid of, of giving up alcohol, afraid certainly of having a few drinks a year as opposed to a few drinks a day. Um, if you could tell that self about, you know, it's funny because ourselves from that perspective probably would have been like, few drinks a year like what are you like how does that even make sense like does not compute you know right but anyway if you could tell that self who was afraid what life is like on this other side like what would you tell her how would you encourage her I mean I would just say like uh you cannot fulfill your dreams with all that alcohol that you're drinking (laughs) like you cannot have you can't you cannot have the life that you dream of um, while you're drinking that, that way. Um, and it's just, there's no balance about it. You just can't do it. You can't, um, you can't be as happy as you aspire to be or get the things that you want out of your career and your life. If you're, if you're so focused on your alcohol addiction. Um, and also, you know, I would tell her that one day you're really going to care about your health and your body (laughs) and that, you know, you should just take control now because now, you know, I'm 35 and I wish I'd started sooner, you know, because I really do care about this. And I know alcohol is, has, um, you know, aged me in ways that didn't have to, if I would have, um, cared more about my health back then. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. So good. And I think one thing you said just now that was really, I think profound is, you literally, I think, have to be willing to have the life that you want and the life you really dream about. You have to be willing to make other things more important than alcohol, your health, your body, your future. And you have to be willing, even if it doesn't mean that you end up giving it up completely forever, you have to be 100% willing to. And I think that's because you finally say, this is more important. So I'm not holding on to this dream of someday being able to drink in moderation. I'm saying, forget that. I'm going forward with this dream of living this life that I really want to. And then maybe at some point in the future, because I know when you quit for nine months, it wasn't so that someday you could drink on occasion. No, yeah. It was because you were excited and ready to quit. Yeah. And And I never thought that I would either. It was to make these things more important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I never thought that I would quit uh, drink again. I was so like, my friends were like, do you really think you're never going to drink again? And I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to drink again. What is so hard to understand, you know? Um, but I think they they saw me as falling back into, me, or seeing the potential of me falling back into my old ways because I was such a raging drunk <laughs> um, that, you know, um, I never saw myself drinking again. But now that I do, I'm like, oh yeah, there's, you know, and it was just like you said, it it meant like, not even caring about the possibility of that. Just put it on the back burner and focus on what you want in life. Um, and then, you know, if drinking comes back into your life, you know, deal with it um, in a mindful way later on. But it's not the focus, you know, just take the focus off of it. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's 
been an interesting journey. Yeah, it's so cool. Oh, it's so cool. It's such a good story. And thank you so much. And thank you as always for thank um, you. the book cover and drawing that. It's, I think, I love it. I love the <laughs> illustration and the design and just thank you. very quickly, um, where were you coming from when you drew that? And I want to hear where people can find more of your art as well. Oh, sure. Um, for me, I mean, I was, when I drew that, I think I was just a couple months like into not drinking, uh, like completely quitting. And it was so, um, the, just the, the feeling that went on in my brain from being a drunk, uh, you know, I don't know what to call it. I, I felt like I was a drunk, so I'm going to use that word, but, um, being someone who was a blackout drunk to quitting and everything in between, um, was just kind of like a roller coaster on my mind, which is what kind of I portrayed in the illustration. Um, because it's not a linear journey. There's a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs. And that's sort of how I felt. Um, it is to kind of beat your addiction with alcohol or drinking. And, um, so that's kind of where my mind went when I was illustrating the cover, um, with the, the, the messiness <laughs> behind the brain. Um, and as far as finding me online, I do, I post on Instagram most often and my handle is drawn by Mary. Awesome. Yay. So check it out because Mary has some amazing artwork. And I think <laughs> what you said, um, just finding kind of, it's not a linear journey. So finding your truth might not be Mary's truth, might not be my truth, but it has to be your truth and it has to be your journey. And you have to kind of take personal ownership and responsibility for whatever that is. Um, there's always a danger, you know, to, to listening to other people's stories and saying, oh, well, if she can, then I can. And mm -hmm. I think I would just caution anybody who's listening to this saying, well, hmm, you know, you have to yeah. find your truth and your journey and, I think we all have to go on this very non-linear path to, to find yeah. our truths. And take your time. <laughs> and take your time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Be true to yourself. Know that you're yeah. your own boss. Nobody else is your boss. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.